to the UIAAA Connection podcast. The UIAAA would not be able to broadcast this podcast without the support of our business partners. Thank you to all the gold and silver business partners of the UIAAA, BSN Sports, and our contact, Jeremy Macy. Final Forms AMP with contacts, Julie Renner and Clay Burnett. Granite Canyon Wealth and our contact, Megan Palazzo. Jostens with contact, Molly Shaheen. NCSA, next college student athlete and our contact, Paul Putnam. VNN Varsity News Network and our contact in Utah, Jason Jones. Thanks again to all of the gold and silver UIAAA business partners. Welcome to another edition of the UIAAA Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hutch Hunter. Today we have a special treat for you. We have two guests instead of one, both of them licensed dietitians. Our first guest today is Jacqueline St. John, a registered dietitian, uh, nutritionalist, and a licensed dietitian. Welcome to the show, Jacqueline. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on our our podcast. We're going a little bit different direction today with two professionals uh, to help out our our high school athletes with their diet, etc. So let's start by having you take a few minutes and talk just about your background, where you grew up, college, maybe your first job, that type of a thing. Share that with our listeners. Yeah, I'd love to. So I was actually born in Wenatchee, Washington, born and raised there, went to Central Washington University in Ellensburg, Washington, and got my bachelor's degree in food science and nutrition. I then transferred to Texas A&M University where I completed my dietetic internship and I have a master's degree in human sciences. Actually looked for work in Portland, Spokane, Seattle, and Boise, and ended up in Boise, Idaho about 10-11 years now. Started out as a clinical dietitian where I was working inpatient in a hospital here and have now transitioned over to Dairy West where I've been for seven years as a health and wellness manager and I lead our sports nutrition and youth wellness initiatives. Um, I have a husband and two children. My daughter, Chloe, will be five in June, starting kindergarten in the fall, very exciting times. And then I have a son as well, Jackson, he'll be two next month. So we uh, happily reside in Meridian, Idaho, and that's kind of, you know, where I started and where I am. That's excellent. Thanks for sharing that. So <clears throat> while we're speaking about the earlier part of your life, why don't you mention to our listeners, maybe some of the mentors you had, maybe teachers, coaches, parents, people that inspired you to along your path, your chosen profession. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's so many mentors. I imagine you can all relate um, as your journey and as your life, you know, you continue to have mentors come in and out of your life. My parents are definitely um, continue to be mentors of mine. I admire them as parents and the way that they raised us as kids. I'm a middle child of three and now with two of my own, um, you know, those are definitely mentors in my personal life. I would say professionally that I did play sports in high school and I do 
um, admire coaches and your tenacity and your commitment and dedication to your athletes. And oftentimes, you know, you may feel like you're even a parent at times or, you know, influencing us as we grow up and learn all the different um, areas of leadership and communication and teamwork and styles working with other athletes on the team. And but then, you know, currently in my current role, I definitely admire uh, some of our leaders in the Dairy West field and uh, the dairy farm families that I get to work with the, I guess the fire behind why I love what I do day in and day out, so. So what were some of the sports you played in high school then? Sure, share that with us. Yeah, I played volleyball and basketball in high school. I actually played soccer as a young child, and then it uh, interfered with volleyball and soccer. So same sports season, I had to make a decision there, but um, never, never took it on to college, but definitely an active individual. I loved um, incorporating physical activity and fitness into my daily life. And so it was, it was a joy to be a part of sports growing up and uh, continue to enjoy different uh, activities throughout my adult life as well. Excellent. So the question that's been on my mind, and I think that I know the answer to this, but I'm going to have you answer. So what exactly is a licensed dietitian? How would that be different from someone who just considers themselves a dietitian or someone who thinks, well, I've studied diet, so I know about it. So, you know, that's it that a lot of consumers are confused about. And, you know, it's actually this term between dietitian and nutritionist that is the largest, um, I would say, difference between the two. A dietitian, as you heard me reference, I had to do an internship, which is about 2,000 hours of practical um, implementation of what a dietitian would do. So you oversee that work with a registered dietitian and that enables you to be eligible for the registered dietitian exam. Now, nutritionists, you can get certifications online or you could call yourself a nutritionist regardless of any education. Um, and so that is the largest difference there. The licensure piece is actually just a state-by-state -state, um, differentiation. The state boards of medicine, some states offer and require licensure as a dietitian, and then there's some that don't. So for example, when I lived in Washington state, you're not necessarily a licensed dietitian there, you're a certified dietitian, whereas in Iowa, Idaho and Utah, you are required to be a licensed dietitian. So hopefully that helps a little bit with the confusion and the differentiation there. Okay. Thanks so much for sharing that. Let me ask you this. This is a little bit tougher question. What's, what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Oh man, gosh. So, so many learning opportunities and along the journey, I think, you know, most recently, one of my largest failures, actually, I don't know if I would have thought of it as a failure until I realized how much I learned from it. Um, I wanted a job promotion and I applied, I interviewed for a leadership position and didn't get it. And, you know, you can imagine the initial disappointment frustration, unknowns, you know, really trying to figure out and sort through why and what is it that I need that I don't have that I would have been, you know, the right uh, candidate for the job. 
And I think it was in the process of accepting that and then identifying the opportunity can, to continue to grow and develop both personally and professionally for hopefully future leadership positions in my life. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I will say God had another plan for me and I actually became pregnant and expected my second child uh, during that time. And so I really just think that it was an opportunity to learn that, you know, it, even though you think that maybe it's the best thing for you, it maybe wasn't at the time. And even since that time, the new, uh, the leader who did receive that position is one of my, you know, most closest colleagues. And um, I very much enjoy her. She motivates me and inspires me in the work that I do. And we uh, have a great working relationship. And I'm so glad that that worked out or, you know, who knows what the, the future would have looked like. So definitely something where, you know, what I thought would have been the best decision um, turned out to not be. And it was, you know, God had another plan and he knew what was better for me. So. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Let's, let's get into the meat of the discussion now. <clears throat> let's talk about, and I want you to spend some time talking about game winning fueling strategies. And I know that's obviously part of the, the company that you work for, but I think there are so many misconceptions not so much with coaches, but I know a lot of the high school athletes don't know who to listen to, or they listen to one person, or they think, oh, this is, this is the best rehydration. No, no, this is the best one. So I want you to spend some time talking about uh, game-winning fueling strategies. You know, I mentioned I'm a registered dietitian myself, and I lead our sports nutrition efforts with Dairy West. However, I'm not a sports dietitian, and that actually... Um, is a dietitian who works specifically with sports and performance nutrition and, you know, has experience with athletes, what's best for their bodies and their fueling to achieve their optimal performance. And our game winning fueling strategies is a new program that we just recently launched for Idaho and Utah athletic programs. So these are actually virtual team talks where you as the coach, the athletic director can encourage your coaches to sign up for 15 minute virtual team talks with a sports dietitian. So Dairy West is providing these to our high school athletic programs across our region in each of the sports seasons. So right now we've got spring sports attending them, you know, through opportunities available through May. We'll have this opportunity again come fall, August, September, October, fall sports to join. Winter's an opportunity unlike any other for, for teams to hear it, uh, sports nutrition information directly from a sports dietitian, as well as ask questions. And then, you know, if they're interested in their own individual um, additional information or specific nutrition information to them personally can work through that with a sports dietitian on their own. Um, but this really provides the team to get a high level kind of sports nutrition 101 um, to maximize their lifestyle choices and eating habits to achieve their best performance. Excellent. Now, <clears throat> speak for a moment, because it depends on obviously, which advertisement you see. Mm -hmm. But we see a lot of chocolate milk got milk advertisements with the NBA. But then we also see more of the, the Powerade, the Gatorade, as a refueling and in your professional opinion, in your line of work, which do you think is a better 
refueling, if that's the correct word, a rehydration product, particularly for high school athletes? Yeah, great question. So, you know, you touched on a couple of words. Refueling um, is post-exercise. And chocolate milk is a great refuel beverage because it contains the carbohydrates and the protein to rebuild and repair post-activity. That's really where that protein component is crucial. Um, Gatorade, Powerade, you also mentioned, that's a rehydration opportunity, okay? That may be more so during activity where you're not necessarily looking for that protein component as well. Um, it can, you, it sits heavier on your stomach. Um, you know, it, it is meant for rebuilding and repairing after exercise, that protein component we're talking about here. So that's the differentiation there. One great thing about chocolate milk also has that hydrating benefits as well. Milk is 90% water and the chocolate milk with a little bit of that added sugar actually is the carbohydrates that refuels, uh, re refuels, recovers, repairs, rebuilds, all those terms that you hear in sports nutrition, important performance nutrition. That's where the research for chocolate milk really um, is intended post-workout, 100%. It's a great choice. Okay. Thank you so much for that answer. And I think that's going to be interesting, particularly if we have some athletes listening to this. So Talk to our audience about what is the sports nutrition toolkit? Oh, so, you know, building on this game winning fueling strategies, we, we took 2020, as you can imagine, it's been a year for all of us, right? And we had the opportunity to work more on the business rather than in the business. A lot of the in-person events, conferences, things that we're used to attending were canceled or moved to a virtual format. And so we really took time to build out our resource opportunities for this sports nutrition audience and work. So we now have not only the sports nutrition tool Toolkit. I'll talk a little bit more about it as well, but our greatness guide, which you can find at greatness.unbottled.com. And we can share that maybe in the podcast um, for you guys to access there is a, it is a new site specifically for you guys. So all of the sports nutrition information that we're talking about available at your hand at your fingertips um, online. So lots of great sports nutrition information there. There's a pocketbook, an actual physical printed copy that you can order, carry around with you in your gym bag, um, your parents, you know, where you're trying to make better food choices uh, for your performance. This is intended for you guys. So the sports nutrition toolkit component of it is actually for the coaches and the athletic directors to have a hand copy of these topics in a deeper, in a deeper way. So when you have an athlete who's interested in learning more about sports nutrition and you want that resource to be able to support that conversation, this toolkit's intended for you. So 16 sports nutrition topics, you know, front and back, they're downloadable PDFs um, where you can have the information to support that athlete and provide uh, science-based, evidenced uh, sports dietitian um, information directly from this resource. Okay, so let, let's have you repeat that website again here so people that are listening can pause this or write it down or. Yes, so the website is greatness.unbottled, U-N-B-O-T-T-L-E-D.com. 
And from that, you'll find there's going to be a four coaches corner where it will house this toolkit materials for you. But the greatness.unbottled.com has all the greatness guide um, content and sports nutrition information designed just for you guys. Okay, that's excellent. Tell us if you'd like to share any two or three staples that you think high school athletes ought to have in their diet or maybe things that when they're in serious training, they should stay away from. Mm. You know, I think the best thing that as a dietitian, as a mom, as a um, health and wellness professional, I think one of the things that would have been so valuable for me to hear as a younger athlete and as a, you know, person who wants to live a healthy and active lifestyle is that the best thing that you can do is to really be kind to yourself. Like, you know, choose, choose moderation, not restriction. Enjoy a variety of foods. Balance is really key in your life. You know, all those things that we love, don't, don't, deter yourself from those things. You're just going to beat yourself up. Instead, you know, enjoy them in the right quantities. Have a treat every once in a while, but it's important that you consume a variety of foods and enjoy all the food groups. You know, they're really intended for a reason. I mean, if you start taking foods out of your diet, you're missing out on the nutrition and the benefits of each of those foods. So fruits, vegetables, dairy foods, protein foods, grain foods, carbohydrates, fats, proteins, all of those components are important for you. You want to ensure that you include those in your everyday eating patterns. Um, you know, you'll hear all kinds of bad diets and questions and people saying, well, but, but what about this? And I heard that and, you know, be, be kind to yourself and really, really take a critical look at it. Does that make sense? Like, you know, is that something that I should just, 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 just ignore it, you know, do the best that you can do your own information. Um, I would tell you to enjoy all foods, all foods fit. That's definitely my motto. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're you to be your best self and what that looks like for you and what that looks like for me is different, but that's, that's, that's the best, right? And that's what we want. And that makes what's great for all of us is we're all our own selves. So I hope that that's inspirational and motivational for you. And, um, you. you heard it, you heard it from a dietitian. So it's oh, definitely <laughs> science based and you can feel good about consuming all foods in a variety of ways to uh, enjoy a long life. So that's great advice. Thanks so much for sharing that. Let's finish off with this question. What question should I have asked you that I failed to ask you? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think you failed to ask me, you know, I included it a little bit earlier, but I do want to say I I'm passionate in the work that I do because the dairy farm families care about feeding the world with safe and nutritious food. And I think if you haven't ever an opportunity to thank a dairy farmer, I mean, all the programs and the resources and the offerings that we provide our local communities wouldn't be possible without their support. So I would, what I do and working on behalf of them is truly an honor and a privilege. And um, if you ever get the opportunity to meet one or to go to a dairy farm, if you haven't and you want to, we would love to take you. 
Um, it's an amazing experience and for you to see how they produce the food that we all love and enjoy. Um, all farmers alike, I don't know if you know, but there's only 2% of farmers that feed the 98% of the rest of us. And as you can imagine, it's not an easy job. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, uh, they definitely should get more credit than we do give them. So that's definitely something I would like to share um, that I didn't already. So Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. My wife's, my wife's uncle lives uh, just outside of Twin Falls. Oh, And great. of course, he's retired now, but I'm pretty sure that he sold the dairy farm, I think, to both the two of his boys. They continue to run it. And I remember when we visited there early on in our marriage, this... It didn't matter what day it was or if it was raining or snowing or sunshine, the cows had to be milked and that's the way it is. So I, I think those are, are kind words for our farmers and I appreciate that. So that wraps up our interview today. Thank you once again to Jacqueline St. John, a excuse me, licensed dietitian. Thank you for being on our podcast, Jacqueline. Thanks so much for having me. Take care, guys. Our second guest today is Aaron Green, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and licensed dietitian. Welcome, Aaron, and thank you for being on the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you again. <clears throat> Let's begin by uh, talking to our viewers uh, from your point of view a little bit about where you grew up, where you went to college, your first job, kind of your background, maybe how you got involved in uh, as being a triathlete, because I've got some questions about that later on. <laughs> sure. I am from a small farming town in North Idaho, Nez Perce, which some people have heard of. Uh, other people, maybe if you got lost, you passed through Nez Perce at some point. It's a town of about 500 people. And we have a family farm up there. I grew up basically keeping up with two older brothers and I just had an active, a naturally active lifestyle as a kid. And when I was a teenager, I got into lifeguarding. I always loved the water and swimming, but oddly enough, and this segues into triathlon, I didn't really have structured swimming instruction. Uh, when I was growing up, I took swimming lessons and I was strong in the water, but I didn't actually do anything competitive until my adult years. Okay. And I would say my primary activity growing up was dance. So I, uh, didn't do a lot of cycling or running or, or team sports. I did some, but dance was probably my, my main activity and went to school at university of Idaho. So, and now I live in Boise. So I'm a, a strong Idaho girl. So Nis Pierce, of course, my Idaho geography is a little bit off, but I up in is it's not quite into the panhandle, but almost there. So maybe, uh, an hour or two from Moscow is, is that That's correct? Exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's about four hours North of Boise. And it's funny on the West coast, we talk in terms of hours instead of miles, because there's always mountains and all kinds yes. of, you know, different ways to get there. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's just before you get into the panhandle. So it's on the Camas Prairie. And so to get there, do you go up through Montana and try to go over? Or is it quicker to go up through Sun Valley and, and over the Galena summit in that way? I actually go up through McCall. 
Oh, so McCall, so take, all the way to Boise and up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm I'm in Boise. So for me, it's sure. going just straight up from Boise into Nez Perce. But there are, as you mentioned, there's several ways to get there. And that's one of the beautiful things about Idaho is all of those meant, uh, directions that you just described will take you on a very scenic drive up north. So it's about four hours from where I live now. And my family is still around that area. Excellent. Did you, were you able to play any sports in high school? I did. I played softball, volleyball, and I was a cheerleader. Uh, we didn't have very many sports because we're such a small school. And so sure. I wish that I had a little more variety, but I was very consistent through all of my junior high and high school years, especially with softball, I think was probably my favorite. Excellent. Share with our listeners as you were growing up, some of the mentors you had, maybe coaches, teachers, uh, bosses, employers who inspired you uh, along your current path to in your current profession and maybe inspired you to become a triathlete? Well, it's funny because I really didn't get very serious about sports until my adult years and until my college years. And so I don't know that I had one specific coach or, or mentor, uh, just in high school that kind of brought me into the triathlete realm. But I do think back often to my dance instructors comments and a lot of the skills that I learned through my years of dance, I was in dance for about 10 years and some of the, uh, some of the reinforcement of the process practicing things, um, kind of speaking kindly to yourself and, and talking your way through certain things, knowing certain parts of my personality. I'm a perfectionist. I am a high achiever. I'm very driven. And I draw on some of the things that my dance instructor would point out to me about, Hey, just leave this. It doesn't have to be perfect right now. Let's come back to it later. And that actually uh, really helped me in, in triathlon. Um, I would also say that growing up in such a small town, I had a number of, you know, I had a village, I had a number of teachers and friends, parents, and then my own family that really acted as a, a group support system in taking interest in my development as a human and whatever my interests were academically and sports wise. Um, so I'm really lucky to have that, that kind of village, uh, surrounding me as I grew up. Thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this question. I asked Jacqueline, who was on earlier, what is a licensed dietitian? So I'm going to ask you, what is a registered dietitian nutritionist? A registered dietitian nutritionist is, well, the, the nutritionist piece was added fairly recently. Registered dietitian, I think, is a, a very recognizable credential in that we have to go through an accredited registration process in order to become a dietitian. Now, that means we have a certain curriculum that we have to follow in school. We have competencies that have to be met and recorded. We have a number of hours we have to spend in each of those competencies. So it's a very rigorous process. And there's a lot of skills that are done outside of academic coursework to become a registered dietitian. And then you have to sit for the registered dietitian exam. And there's mm -hmm. a governing body that requires us to do a certain amount of 
um, continuing education credits. And now they've recently changed it to where every registered dietitian will have a master's degree coming out of their schooling. Now, the nutritionist piece was actually added on fairly recently, I think in the last like eight or nine years, because we started seeing this emerging trend of people calling themselves nutritionists, but there's no governing right. body. They just said, I'm, I'm actually, a nutritionist, so that's it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it can be really confusing to pretty recognizable term, right? They, they are an expert in nutrition. That's the assumption that is made, but you have no guarantee of what schooling or credentials that person actually holds as a nutritionist. So what the registered dietitian community did was say, well, let's add nutritionist onto our titles so that we are the RDNs and let's start normalizing that language so that nutritionist is also attached to our name, but registered dietitian is actually a credential that can only be held by going through that rigorous training process that I just described. Excellent. Let me ask you this, uh, particularly as it goes to your life as a triathlete, which happened later in your life, what's the one thing you wish you had known when you began your career as a triathlete? Oh boy. I wish, oh man, there's so many lessons that I learned through this, but I think probably the biggest one is to know that it is absolutely a journey and a process and you don't ever just arrive. I think when I became a professional triathlete, you have to qualify for getting that pro card so you can race in the professional ranks. And I had sort of pictured things as being arrival points. So I will arrive when I uh, get my first podium in a pro race, or mm. I will arrive when I nail a sponsorship with this, you know, big brand, or I will arrive when people um, ask me to come give a talk to their, you know, coaching group or something. And I kind of got stuck in that for, I don't know, a probably the first couple of years racing as a pro. And it took me a while to realize that if I could just shift my mind into a growth process oriented approach, there's no arrival. You just continue growing and learning and developing as an athlete and as a person through this process. And once I really adopted that and embraced that as my pro career, this is just a growth process through and through every season, every workout is an opportunity to grow. Um, man, that completely changed my perspective on training and racing at that level. Excellent. So share maybe one or two of the great stories that you've had from <laughs> your life as a triathlete, as you look back on it. Mm -hmm. One of them that stands out in my mind is a story. The It was my second half Ironman. So <coughs> there's there's a full Ironman and half Ironman distance where my main um, focuses in triathlon. And I was training for my second half Ironman. It was held here in Boise. And I had a goal of qualifying for the world championships in the mm -hmm. half Ironman. So I had a new bike. I had actually done some structured training and I really targeted this and set a goal. And a couple of days before the race, my husband, who thankfully is, was a triathlete himself and is a bike mechanic and, and versed in all this stuff, uh, was sitting in our living room and said, you have to learn how to change a tire on this bike. 
And it was just a tricky bike to get that rear wheel off. And you've got the chain in the way and, you know, there's just a certain way to do it. And he walks me through it. And then he says, now you do it. Well, we'll just leave some details out and suffice to say (laughs) that I was in tears in the living room, just screaming. I don't need to be doing this right now. I have a race in two days. I need to be resting. I need to be sleeping. And I, I just had like one of those meltdowns. It was too overwhelming. I had worked myself up for this big race and this big goal. And he looks at me and says, if you don't know how to do this on race day, your race will end. If you get okay, know how to do it. Come race day, it's a 56 mile bike. So we did the swim. I get out on the bike around mile 49 or 50. I feel my rear tire going flat. Mm. And it was, I knew the course it's here in Boise. And so I knew I could just coast down to the finish line if I really had to, but there's only so far you can get on a flat tire and it went flat, flat. So here I hop off the bike and I just start changing that tire. And I ended up changing it and successfully took care of the problem. And I did end up qualifying for the world champions championships that day. So that, and that was a story. Of course, my husband loves that story. Sure. Uh, But that was one of my stories to always remember that it is important to be fully prepared going into a race and to not let your emotions get the best of you to just really focus on what is at hand in this moment and, you know, to work through those, those problems. Um, Another story that I thought about was in 2016, I had been racing professionally for, that was my third season racing professionally. And I was really trying to get to the Ironman world championships as a professional. So a a whole nother level of qualification. And I was looking at later season races and there was one over in Malaysia. And I had really kept my racing domestic for a reason. It, It, you know, cost-wise and just carting all of your stuff across the world. And there's language barriers and there's uh, the travel demand and everything. And I, I kind of ran it past my husband because I had the opportunity. I mean, my work schedule lined up and, and money-wise it would work out. And I kind of ran it past him and he said, but could you really fly across the globe by yourself and do an Ironman? And I said, well, yeah, watch me. (laughs) So I, I just started booking things. And for, for most seasoned pros, this is not a big deal. A lot of pros will travel globally and do these things. But for me, it was a very big deal to, I had traveled solo to races before. So I knew how much, uh, that, that really sucks the energy out of you. Plus we're talking like across the globe. So there's time zone differences. And, and I just, started breaking it off into little chunks and booking things and taking care of the process. And that was one of my best race results as a, as a professional. So, um, again, one of one of those lessons to not let fear and that, I mean, even my husband was a little bit nervous for me, like, you know, that's a long way to just go with all of your stuff. And there's a lot riding on this. I mean, you have this race that's really important. What if things don't go well. And, and how are you going to deal with that? And I just, I just went for it, you know, kind of set, set the fear and apprehension aside and just go for it. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Let's, let's explore what you think as a dietitian would be some of the basics for a high school athlete in their diet. 
some of the things that they would want to include and maybe some of the things that if you're seriously training, you may want to stay away from. Well, I definitely have an all foods fit kind of approach. So I don't really look at diet as things that you should include or exclude. I definitely look at it on a quality spectrum. So think of it this way. If you are demanding a lot out of your body physically, it stands to reason that you need to be putting some high quality nutrition into your body and you need to be consistent with that. I like to tell athletes that you are not preparing for the race the day before you are preparing your body for that race or that event or that practice even for, you know, days and and weeks and months in advance. So it's the consistency that's important. When we look at things like the athlete's plate, uh, there are some graphics and I know that the uh, Dairy West Greatness Guide has some really good graphics on this, but it really just shows like, let's break it down to the basics, the five main food groups. We have grains and starches, so the carbohydrates, we have proteins, we have vegetables and fruit, and then we have dairy products. All of these nutritionally overlap. You know, we have fruits and grains both have carbohydrates dairy and the, the meats and eggs group both have proteins. Um, vegetables have some of the same components as fruits. So time, all of these food groups play a specific role in your body. It's really important to have a variety of those foods every single day. Now for teenagers, they might not have the opportunity to sit down and balance out their, their intake, um, every single meal. So that's where smart snacking might come into play. Teenagers are using a lot of calories to grow as well as maintain fitness in their sport. So they have more needs than even adult athletes and to pay attention to that, always be prepared, take snacks with you. Um, I like whole grain snacks coupled with a protein or a fruit or vegetable just to get a little extra nutrition every time. Um, but there's, there's some really good ideas on how you can not only build out those meals with the main food groups, but then also do some smart snacking to fill in the gaps in between. Thank you. Let, let me ask you this, realizing that it's been 35 years since I got my master's degree in physical <laughs> education, but back in the mid eighties, when I got my master's degree, carbohydrate loading was the hot topic. Is it still as much now a nutrition or has it been refined or how has that changed since, since my education? That's a great question. We do still understand that carbohydrates are a main source of energy for active individuals. So carbohydrates are very important. What we see now with the carbohydrate loading concept is that one, we don't have to go through a phase of depleting carbohydrates and then loading them. So it used to be the belief that we kind of restrict them for a little while. And then you super load as soon, right before the competition, right. what actually happens is the body can do the super loading on itself. You don't have to do that depletion phase. We also see that it doesn't have to be like this massive plate of spaghetti that we, you know, that a lot of people probably associate with carbohydrate loading. It can be as simple as, you know, those meals and snacks I just talked about. It could be as simple as just adding an, you know, another few roasted potatoes to your plate or having like another little scoop of cereal or another small scoop of pasta. It could be adding a few crackers to a couple of your snacks or adding a, 
a high carbohydrate bar in the leading the two or three days leading up to your competition. So it doesn't have to, in fact, we don't want it to be overloading to the system because that can be really hard for athletes to process all of that food. If they overload their gut a little bit too heavily. So it really needs to be looked at as more of a gradual process, but we do want to pay attention to carbohydrates, um, in the days leading up and also (coughs) understanding that when there is a competition or practice coming up, um, many times the athlete has undergone a period of rest. And whenever you're resting, your body is restocking your nutrition stores. So that rest period leading up to like a track meet or a tournament, your body actually has the extra advantage to take the carbohydrates and put them in storage and ready for that, that competition. Okay. Well, thanks for Thanks for clarifying that for someone who is not as up to date as you would be. (laughs) Let me finish by asking you this question. What question should I have asked you that I failed to ask you? (laughs) Oh boy. Um, Maybe what I have learned that I would pass on to the next generation of athletes. you know, racing at a professional level and knowing what I know academically and professionally as a dietitian, there are a lot of things that I have learned along the way, putting these two worlds together that are important for the next generation to, you know, maybe learn a little more uh, smoothly than I did. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us, Aaron. We thank you for your expertise in sharing with some of our athletes that hopefully get a chance to listen to this. That takes care of this edition of the UIAAA Connection. For those of our listeners that tune in every week, we hope to see you again next Friday. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you.